What a win for the Boston Celtics. They really needed that. I think a bunch of guys stepped up. Grant Williams, how he played Joel Embiid was incredible. Uh, Derek White changed the entire game with a couple of block shots, one in the fourth quarter that just was the entire turning point. And I'm going to talk about it all right now on the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can't. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown's 18. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry O'B. Corrales above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Rain and Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finished. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day, and I'm here for you every day with a free, fresh podcast dropped directly to your device if you're a subscriber, so make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. The show also uh, is on YouTube. If you want to subscribe there, I would love it if you did. Check it out. Hop in the comment section. Join a growing community of Celtics fans there. Ring the bell there to get notified when I drop a new episode. I'm John Corrales. I cover the Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. I've also written a book called the Boston Celtics All-Time All-Stars. I played ball once upon a time, and I'm also hosting a live conversation with Kendrick Perkins on February 21st. We're at the Armory in Somerville talking about his book, The Education of Kendrick Perkins. Uh, Go to the Armory in Somerville. Go to their website. You can get tickets, uh, 40 bucks, gets you a book, gets you in, hear the discussion with me and Perk, and then you can ask some questions. We're doing a live audience Q&A, so check that out there. Today, I'm talking to you after the Boston Celtics 106-99 win over the Philadelphia 76ers. This is just such a a great win, a much-needed win. Not in the, oh, they were struggling and they needed to, to end a losing streak kind of win. They needed this win to just feel good. Like they needed a win where everything kind of went well. And there was a generally a good story behind this. Uh, I say generally because they lost Jalen Brown in the, at the end of the first half where he and Jason Tatum were going for a rebound and Tatum came across and his left elbow caught Jalen right in the cheek And he went down, and it turns out that there is a fracture in that cheek. And it looks like, it looks like he'll be out at least through the All-Star break. So that's a a very unfortunate situation for Jalen Brown. Not only is he going to miss time, he's going to miss time for the Celtics. But, hey, you know, second time making the All-Star team, we were looking forward to seeing him play seeing him up against Jason Tatum or playing with Jason Tatum in the all-star game uh, for him not to be a part of that is, is very disappointing, very disappointing. Now he may still go and be part of the festivities, but uh, that that's going to, it seems keep him out. We'll see if that changes. So uh, hopefully he's a fast healer and, and just, just an unfortunate situation. Aside from that, the Celtics came into this game without uh, 
obviously without Marcus Smart, still nursing the the ankle injury. Robert Williams and Al Horford added to the injury list. Al Horford, a late add with right knee swelling. That's not great. So they held him out from the, from the, the game. Uh, Rob out, Horford out, Smart out. You lose Jalen at, at right before the half. Jason Tatum having a, a just a terrible shooting night. Uh, offensively, 12 points for Tatum. Laying all that out, you're, if you didn't watch the game, if you're just hopping onto the podcast and you're like, hey, let me let me listen to, to see how this went, and I'm laying all this out. They, they missed three starters. They lost another starter. Really, you've lost. You played the whole second half without four starters, and your other guy, the MVP candidate, shoots five of 15, one of five from three, and has 12 points. And we're talking about a win? We're talking about a win? Yeah, we're talking about a win. And the reason I, I say this is such a, a, a feel-good, they needed this kind of win, is because over the past, I don't know, 10 games or so, maybe longer, the Celtics have just kind of been kind of, I don't know, up and down. They had you know a great win against Brooklyn. And then, you know, the Phoenix game, it was was ugh, and disappointing. And there's just this chatter of, hey, you got to trade Grant Williams. And, hey, you got to trade this guy. And how are you going to get some help in here? It's very obvious they need some help. And Joe Mazzula, he doesn't know what he's up. He's over his head. You know, it, it's all of those things were just kind of hanging around the Celtics. And it, it wasn't, it wasn't a, 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 a great vibe. It wasn't a great feeling uh, around here. By the way, today's show brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook is the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. To get this win, it felt like every, everybody came together. Everybody picked each other up. You knew that they were, they were starting off. Uh, shorthanded without three starters. And I sat there thinking, Hey, you, you're going to need Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum to go off. I wrote it in my little mini preview on Boston sports journal before the game. I said, if they're going to win this, it's going to have to be one of those 60 point point combined Jalen and Jason Knights. I didn't think they were going to win with well, what did they end up with? 16 points combined. Maybe I just got the, I, I can just say, oh, I meant to say, I said 16. You you heard 60? I don't, I said 16 for sure. I didn't think this was going to be possible. And, you know, but the Celtics did a great job. First of all, hitting shots, creating open looks and knocking them down. And you know, kudos to Blake Griffin getting the start, going out there and knocking down shots. They did a great job defensively. Grant Williams defensively, uh, and I'll get more into individual uh, individual guys in the in the second segment. And then later on, I'll talk about uh, Joe Mazzula. And I, I, I mean, I have to mention some of the trades that are happening because <laughs> I was sitting there at the garden trying to write my column, my my game column, and all of a sudden, it's just trade after trade after trade. So I, I, I got to mention those at the end before, uh, before I wrap up the show, but Celtics did a great job defensively. Celtics got 
great performances from the supporting cast. You, you go through uh, Grant Williams, Blake Griffin, Derek White, Sam uh, Sam Hauser, Malcolm Brogdon. Those guys combined for 84 points of the 106. That's, that's just a massive contribution. That's not what you expect. The Celtics bench, which was decimated because the, the, the bench became the starters, but you still had Malcolm Brogdon out, out on the bench. The Celtics just make sure that he stays there. And Sam Hauser is, comes back and, and is hitting shots, and the Celtics bench out outscores Philly's bench 41 to 21. I don't know how that's possible, but they did it. The, the, the Philly bench had nothing. Tyrese Maxey was terrible. George Nyang couldn't hit a damn thing. Uh, Matisse Thibel came in for defensive reasons, uh, and he was okay, but Shake Milton did not much. Montrez Harrell, garbage. Like the whole bench, the, the Sixers bench was terrible. Uh, but the Celtics bench shouldn't have even been that great because, again, Grant Williams, not on the bench, starting. Blake Griffin, not on the bench, starting. Jalen Brown means, you know, he he leaves. And so Brogdon has to start the second half. So he gets an added opportunity. And, and they, they still put together uh, just these monster, uh, just a monster performance. So I, I just felt like, it felt good. This this is a win that you come out and you say, man, that that just felt good. That was that was the equivalent of just like a nice big hearty meal, like a big chicken parm and spaghetti, and just you come out of that and you just tap your belly. You go, oh, that was that was good. That was satisfying. <laughs> that was really good. It it could be the best win of the season for the Celtics. Uh, I, I put it up there with that that win over Toronto in Toronto where the Celtics were down in the first half and they came back and they talked about making choices and, and I thought that was a really good win. This one goes right right there with it and it might be better in a lot of regards. So let's get into some of the individual stuff because I thought individually each of these guys needs some time to be lauded on this podcast. I'll do that next. First... Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. This year, the only app you need for your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We love having FanDuel on board here at Locked On. They're the number one sports book in America. We're the number one podcast network in America. So it's a perfect match. And you'd be a perfect match for FanDuel, even if you've never used it before. In fact, that's better because you can download FanDuel right now and get a no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57 and get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. You just got to go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. They let you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads, the who will score a touchdown, the prop bets that are so much fun. Uh, The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe. It's secure. It's super easy to use. When you win money, you want your money immediately. They give it to you instantly. So very uh, excited to have FanDuel on board. Again, FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet. Make every moment more at FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Please gamble responsibly. 
Trade deadline is at 3 p.m., mere hours away. Maybe past it by the time you listen to this podcast, but we're right there, and we're going to have you covered on Locked On. Starting at 2 o'clock on the Locked On NBA YouTube feed. Hop on there at 2 o'clock. You're going to hear reaction to all of these trades, and there have been a lot of them. I will be there hosting it alongside Nick Angstead and Pat the Designer. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have real fun with this. It's just a nice casual conversation. We'd love to have you join us on the Locked On NBA YouTube feed. Kevin Durant going to Phoenix. Uh, Russell Westbrook going to Utah. Uh, with D'Angelo Russell going to L.A. Uh, th- there's just uh, Jakob Pertl going to Toronto. So much to talk about. I'll get into that in a little bit in a few minutes. But uh, hop on that YouTube channel. Uh, at two o'clock, we'll talk about it. Let's talk about this game and just, I'm just going to run down individually these guys because this is the type of game where so many guys made an impact. I, I feel like they need their need their, they need their moment. So I'm just going to work down the, the, the box score here. Grant Williams. Okay. 15 points, eight rebounds, five assists. That's such a nice game from Grant Williams, but Not only did he hit four of six from three, which is exactly what the Celtics need for him to hit the three-pointers, get those open three-pointers and hit them. Grant offensively stepped up. There was a stretch there in the first quarter where Blake hits a bunch of three-pointers. And I'll I'll, I'll talk about both of these guys together, I guess. (laughs) In my head, I'm like going back and forth. Blake comes out, and and I talk about clutch baskets all the time. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, uh, Clutch baskets happening at any point in the game. They can happen anywhere. And this is a first for even me. I'm going to say that Blake Griffin's first three three three-pointers to start the game right away, those end up, in retrospect, being clutch baskets. You don't think about it in the moment, but those end up being clutch baskets because the Celtics were down 7-0 and Griffin comes out and hits three point hits a three-pointer. So instead of it being a a an 8-0 or or a 9-0 lead, it it becomes 9-3. And then they go off on a run. He hits another three. There, there's a real possibility here that Blake's three-pointers, if they didn't fall, could have become... This could have become an 18-2 start to the game for Philly. And that changes the entire dynamic of how this game goes. Because if it starts out 18-2, then the Sixers get their confidence. Joel Embiid starts to dominate because there's nothing that Joel Embiid loves more than playing with the lead. He loves going out there and being a front runner. And and when when there's a lead, oh, he's dominant. But it was 7-3, then it was 9-6, and then another three-pointer made it 11-9 to Boston, 11-9 Boston. That stretch from Blake Griffin gave the Celtics 
a huge lead. So, so I kind of started talking about Grant. I shifted into Blake before. Uh, you'll see that I'm talking about this because after Blake hit those shots, Grant steps up and and takes over and hits for um, he hits eight of the next eleven points for the Celtics. But defensively. I think Grant really was great defensively. He had to take on Joel Embiid, and he handled Embiid really, really well and pushed Embiid out of the spots where he wanted to catch the ball, made him catch the ball. Late in the game, there were a couple of possessions where Joel caught it around the free throw line and he wanted to catch it a little deeper, and he just didn't fight for that position. And Grant did a great job. They talk about doing your work early, getting getting Joel to you push him out further, uh, you know, two, three, four feet. Then when he turns and and faces Grant Williams, he's like, "Oh man, I'm I'm like 14 feet away." He's not going to do the hard work. He's just not going to do the hard work to get to where he wants to go. Because Grant is is he's a low center of gravity. He's really really strong. So Embiid says, I, "I'm I got height on this guy. I'm just going to shoot over the top of him." Once he missed that first mid range that 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 fade away from the top of the key somewhere in there, I was like, "Okay, I, I feel good about this game." I start to write my post game story. You know, I try to put the framework together. And I'm putting the flow of the game together. I'm trying to figure out what the headlines from the game are. And so a lot of times it's hard to, you know, when it's a close game, you can't do a lot of the writing because it's close, too close to tell what the flow of the game is and how it is going to be a win. Is it going to be a loss? I don't know. So once those shots missed, I was like, I'm, I'm writing this as a win. I'm starting to write everything as a win. My headlines are winning headlines, not why they lost, why they won. I'm the turning point. I'm putting down the turning point as as why the Celtics were able to win the game. All of that stuff, I start laying it down because I knew Embiid. You can tell if the Sixers are going to win that game, he's going to the basket. He's drawing fouls. If they're losing that game, he's taking jumpers, and he was taking jumpers. It was jumper Embiid time. So, uh, I thought Grant did a, a wonderful job. A wonderful job. There, so that that Grant Williams Blake Griffin combination was huge, huge, huge in the first half, and then Malcolm Brogdon had a stretch there right after them, where he was big, and then he started the second half. He had a drive and dunk. You don't you don't see Malcolm have a drive and dunk. In fact, so you don't see that, and you also don't see him smile a ton after after games. He when he gets up there and talks. He's very matter of fact, very matter of fact. And I asked him about the dunk. And an actual smile came across his face. He's like, eh, I'm not much of a high flyer. So, yeah, the guys had fun with that. Uh, he came back to the bench and everybody was just like, oh, hello. <laughs> nice. I thought Brogdon, this is the exact type of game where you get this from Brogdon, Blake Griffin, Grant Williams, and then you throw Sam Hauser into this. 14 points on four of four shooting from three. This is exactly what makes the the the, the Celtics dominant. This is, this is the type of game where when the Celtics were scoring 140-something points, 
in in the early part of the season, this is what was happening. Grant was hitting shots. You get some outlier performance from somebody. Hauser's coming in and hitting shots. Brogdon is dominating that second unit. They put up 106 points with 14, 16 combined points from Tatum and Brown. You tack on 30 because they're going to combine for 46 uh, easily. You tack on 40 in a good performance or even more. Well, here you go, 146. So that that's the type of game where when the Celtics were dominant, they were getting these types of performances. Now, obviously, you're not going to get four of six from Grant every night. You, you can, you're can you not going to get Blake Griffin playing at all uh, a lot of times or four of four from Sam Hauser. The Celtics, 19 of 35 from three was their best performance of the season, 54%, 54.3. And people in Philly might want to say, you know, Joel Embiid after the game did, in fact, say, hey, they hit, they hit 19 three-pointers, we hit 10. When you get outscored by 27 points from three, you're going to lose the game. And okay, fine, but that's not that's not how this went. Really, that's th- this was this was a good performance from the Celtics. Good defense uh, on Embiid. They did a good job. They had uh, Philly had some really bad shooting for sure, but the Celtics really worked to get that get those shots. And I got to give a shout out to Jason Tatum. Not a great game from him at all. Obviously, a bad shooting game, but nine assists, eight rebounds. He did have the four turnovers. They were really more uh, prevalent early. They they did a good job in the second half of limiting those turnovers. And Tatum, look, you get double teamed. He made the right play out of the double teams. He did a good job out of those double teams. I think he was he was pretty good. So uh, I feel like. They had a ton of great performances, and hey, off night from Tatum, but he he made the most of that off night to help get other guys going. Whether it was by assist, which he had nine, or by hockey assist, I'm sure there when the secondary assists are counted, he'll have plenty of those as well. Uh, I didn't talk about Grant uh, Derek White yet. I didn't talk about Joe Mazzulli yet. I'll talk about those guys in just a minute. Derek White was really just he he's on a roll for the Celtics right now. 19 points in this game, 8 of 13, 3 of 6, 6 rebounds, 3 of 6 from 3, 6 rebounds, 3 assists. Uh, Really nice performance from him there. But two block shots, two more block shots, one out of the corner. I think he caught Montrez Harrell out of nowhere. But the real block, the the real turning point in this game was... uh, with just under nine minutes to go, Derek White actually turns the ball over, and there go the Sixers out on the break. And it looks like Tobias Harris has a step on everybody, and it feels like, okay, things are starting to slip away. But you can see on the play, if you go look it up, I can't show it to you right now, but uh, if you're watching on YouTube, obviously I can't show it to you if you're listening to the podcast because... That's impossible. But if you remember the play, you you see Derek White just chugging. He's like, he puts his head down. You know, he puts that head down and you start pumping those arms and you see him like, I got to go make a play. And he goes and he catches Harris right at the rim, right on the cusp of, you can't challenge it. You probably can't call it a goaltend. It was right on the edge. He gets there just in the nick of time. 
So it's a seven-point game. That would have made it a five-point game. But instead, they come down. It goes over to Sam Hauser. He hits a three, ten-point game. So it's a five-point swing. Instead of being down just five, they are suddenly down ten. That is the turning point in the game because they never they never were able to tie the game up again. They got it close. Jason Tatum came back in, and Matisse Thybul came in and did a good job defending him one-on-one, and they weren't able to generate a lot of the same looks. And Tatum started to settle for a couple of three-pointers. The ball movement kind of died. That was not the best stretch of the game for Tatum by any means. But the 10-point lead that they built, and thank you, uh, Derek White, for building that, helping build that, that was that was what ended up holding up for the rest of the, the game. And then Joe Missoula, I got to gotta shout out Joe Missoula. If you're going to criticize Joe Missoula for the, the way he has been coaching, you got to give him credit for the way he coached in this game. Great decision to start uh, Blake Griffin. That worked out well. Uh, he did a good job. Uh, he drew, you know, another charge drawn from him. He, he obviously hit a bunch of shots. That's great. So that, the personnel decisions worked out work working through that and getting the guys to, to be prepared. Uh, he pushed all the right buttons. Uh, they came out of, of the half and, and they, they, there was no letdown. He had everybody prepared, ready to go. Uh, calling the right plays out of timeouts. The, the play was it third quarter where they had 0.5 left and they he calls a timeout or fourth quarter. When was the fourth quarter? Uh, because it was it was the end, right? It was down the stretch in the fourth quarter. I'm replaying it in my head because that was going to be a user to lose a timeout, and I thought maybe they would should have called a timeout earlier in that stretch uh, after a three pointer. Because right? I was thinking, hey, there's four minutes to go. Let's give these guys a break. I can call another timeout in a minute because they had four timeouts at that point. It was like. Somebody hits a three-pointer. Might have been Thibel hit a three-pointer. I might have. I probably would have called a timeout at that point, and he didn't. And it actually worked out because you get that possession. Point five left. He draws up a great play. You you get a timeout to call the play. You have a third timeout there because it was a little bit more than three minutes. You could, if they defended it well, and you were at four seconds on the on the count to, to inbound the ball, you still had an extra timeout there as pad in case you needed to call a timeout. And luckily they didn't. They inbounded the ball. They got the alley-oop dunk to Luke Cornett. Terrible defense by the, the Sixers. Great draw, great play drawn up by Missoula. A nice pick set by uh, Jason Tatum uh, underneath, occupying two defenders. So great, great job there. Yeah, you lost that extra timeout, but you needed that timeout there, so you didn't lose one down the stretch just in case you needed it. Then, under two minutes, now you have your two timeouts. You have a challenge that you feel good about making uh, on what would have been an out-of-bounds that was going to Philly, where Grant Williams clearly didn't touch the ball I think they they originally got the call right. Then somehow it felt like the ref was like, "Oh, I called it the wrong way." I did I signal Boston? 
I always said Philly. I meant to signal Philly. No, he seemed like he got talked into it, right? Because he probably sat there and said, well, it looked like an air ball to me, but it's Joel Embiid. I can't imagine that Joel Embiid would have airballed it there. So, yeah, let's just say I made the wrong call. I signaled it the wrong way. And uh, luckily, the Celtics had a challenge. I mean, Al Horford was pissed. Al Horford was pissed on the bench because he's like, come on, you made us waste our challenge. You could see him on the TV saying, you made us waste our challenge. Good challenge there. Call was reversed. Uh, That worked out. So just overall, good coaching job by Joe Mazzola. Just a great job all the way around. Again, this is a game that the Celtics needed to win this one, and they 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 managed to to get a really good, satisfying win. All right, the I got I got to mention this because I'll, I'll be doing a, a post game, a post trade deadline podcast, wrapping things up. We'll see what the Celtics are going to do, but oh my God, Kevin Durant's going to the, the Phoenix Suns. The Brooklyn Nets are suddenly blown up. Celtics beat them, and the the whole thing fell apart. Kyrie Irving went to Dallas. Kevin Durant's going to Phoenix. And who knows what's going to happen after that. Jake Crowder is in is in uh, Brooklyn now. They're looking to trade him. I don't think they should get uh, Jake Crowder. Uh, but Mikhail Bridges, TJ Warren. I'm sorry. Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Jake Crowder. And four first-round picks. Uh, unprotected picks. This is amazing. What a haul. Uh Kevin Durant, TJ Warren go to uh, Phoenix. So Brooklyn, you know, completely retooling here. Be interesting to see what they do. Toronto gets Jakob Pertl. So I never thought the Celtics were going to get Jakob Pertl. That happened in the middle of the night. Then uh, a three-team trade, uh, Lakers and Minnesota and Utah. During the game, we're like, what the hell is going on here? During the game. Russell Westbrook to Utah. He'll end up getting bought out. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt and forget who else went to uh, Minnesota. Uh, Or wait, no, they went to LA. uh, LA gets D'Angelo Russell. Uh, They get Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, That that's a that's another wild trade. So some good depth. LA LA did a good job, I think. But then Phoenix went out and said, "Like now, nah, we're gonna we're gonna be the power in the West." Uh, tons of trades going on, and they're all happening while I'm sitting there trying to write my piece uh, for Boston Sports Journal. And I'm sitting there going, "Oh my God, what's happening? What's happening here?" <laughs> just one after another. I was like, oh, "Let me just go check out check out Twitter," and then I refresh it, and it became like, "Oh, what? We what? There's something that happened." Okay, so. Yeah, it it was a wild, wild kind of uh, flurry in the middle of the night to the point where Grant Williams was saying trades are happening in the darkness, uh, dark of night. Trades happening in the dark of night, and he was laughing. Again, we'll be wrapping it up on the trade special here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Go to the Lockdown NBA feed on YouTube, where we'll be discussing all of that. I will have everything. If the Celtics make a trade, then... Well, I'll have that. And if they don't, we'll analyze what they could have done, maybe should have done. It's all coming up tomorrow on the Lockdown Celtics podcast. So uh, for now, 
that's going to wrap it up here. Again, great win for the Celtics. Excited about that. Hopefully they don't let down uh, on Friday against Charlotte. I'll be here to talk about it all. So make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcast. Uh, watch the show on YouTube. Hop into the comment section. Lots of great conversations going on in the comment section. Good group of Celtics fans here on the Lockdown Podcast, Lockdown Celtics Podcast YouTube page. So subscribe. If you are a subscriber, share the podcast. Tell your friends. Tell everybody they should be listening to and watching the Lockdown Celtics Podcast here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day.